0: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Disability advocate David Lepofsky filed a Freedom of Information application earlier this month. It was done in an effort to push the Ontario government to release an official report. The report is a review of the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. An interim report was released in March. The full report has yet to be publicly disclosed. And David Lepofsky of the AODA Alliance is here to tell you more. Hey, good morning, David. Nice to chat with you once again. Always good to get to talk to you. David, let's start here. Why do you think the province of Ontario is withholding this report?
1: I have no idea because they're not talking to us about it. But it is required by law that they make it public. Every government, including this one, who's gotten one of these reports earlier, made it public more quickly than this. This is a record-breaking delay. Uh, But I once had to go to court uh, over another report they got that they withheld for longer than they should. So, unfortunately, it's not the first time I've had to resort to legal uh, efforts to get them to do what the law requires them
0: to do. Rich Donovan authored the report. What have you heard from him?
1: Well, he can't tell me about the contents of it, but I've heard that he did submit the report on the 6th of June, that's a public fact. Um, so the government's had it for over five months and uh, it doesn't take five months to translate it into French, probably a couple of weeks. And uh, so there's no reason why they can't be making it public now and like, it, it so what I've done, uh, the section 41 of the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act requires that it be made public, they're not doing that. So I filed a Freedom of Information application, um, which they've got 30 days to get back to me, though. On the website, it says they may not comply with timelines, which is sort of an open government declaration. There, uh, there's, generically, there, there, that they're, there
0: is some irony. They're, not, there, there, be, they're there, not obeying the law. There's some irony. <laughs> there's some irony in that writing on the website. Yes. What is the process from here? Maybe pull back the legal curtain a little bit. Where does the request go from here, even understanding there could be uh, violations of the timeline?
1: Well, they've got to then first figure out how long it would take and how much effort to find it. Well, it will take no time. So if there was a lot of searching, they would have to estimate a fee to produce it. But they know where it is. They know what it is, it's in the minister's office, it'll be in the deputy minister's office, it'll be in the assistant deputy minister's office. They all they would all know where it is. So there's no search time. There's no effort needed to find it, and there's no cost to provide it. Um, so uh then they'd have to decide if there's a legal exemption that entitles them to withhold it from the public. Well, there isn't one, because section 41 of the AODA requires that it be made public. This is what the law is, we would call a no-brainer.
0: David sort of circling back to the first question here obviously you and i cannot put ourselves in the minds of the folks there at queen's park but even if something in the report was utterly damning or embarrassing to the government at the end of the day isn't transparency more important than optics on an issue like the accessibility of an entire province
1: well you know dave it it... It's, it's even more than that. The fact is, Rich Donovan rendered an interim report, which the government made public within eight days of receiving it, and it had extremely damning conclusions. It's where he made findings, but we are far behind where we need to be to become accessible by 2025. He said, it's shocking that the government has no plan to get to that objective, that we've been let down uh, across the system, What this new report is is his roadmap for what recommendations he makes for how to fix this. Now, even if the government doesn't agree with the roadmap, they should put it out there and uh, let us all comment on it. I don't know if we're going to agree with it, agree with some of it, not agree with any of it. But at least get it to us. The further delay in making it public means further delay in this province becoming accessible, which is the problem that the Donovan interim report has publicly revealed anyway. So uh, even the idea of covering up embarrassment makes no sense.
0: David, let's turn from the broader provincial issue of the AODA to something a little bit more local when it comes to infrastructure. There's a new bike lane on a section of Eglinton Avenue in Toronto. The bike lane itself is on the same level as the sidewalk. You released a video on your YouTube channel of your experience walking on the sidewalk with your white cane. As the video progresses, you are seen walking onto the bike path. The surface of the bike lane and sidewalk are different colors from each other, but there are very minimal differences in texture on the ground between them, so it's not necessarily distinguishable for pedestrians. David, I I know I kind of set up a lot of the, the crux of the issue there in the intro, but what do you find most troubling about this form of urban design?
1: Well, it's shocking that in a city where it's against the law to ride a bike on a sidewalk, that the city of Toronto designed a bike path on the sidewalk. So you want to give the wrong message to cyclists? I can't think of a better way. Uh, But let's go make it worse. It's a design which obviously endangers blind people. Mm. because um, it, it may be visually clear to a, a person with 20-20 vision uh, where the bike path is, but using my white cane, I don't have a clue where it is. It is There is not a clear cane-detectable uh, difference. And even if the city were to install some sort of raised line, that that alone wouldn't solve it either. Because you wouldn't know just because there's a line, which side of the line is the safe side mm-hmm. and which side is the dangerous side. The solution, which has always been the practice in my experience, at least as far as I know, is you build the bike path on the road level. So as long as I know I'm up that step on the sidewalk level, I know I'm safe. Now, if you want, of course, we want to protect cyclists from cars. So you can build a barrier between the bike path. And the roadway where the car traffic is and you have some breaks in it for pedestrians to be able to to uh, cross the street and so on. But that's not what they did here. And it, it it what is especially appalling is in the face of our video, which, by the way, in 48 hours has gotten over 4000 views. That's record breaking for our any videos we've produced. Um, the. the the thing that's appalling is the city, instead of saying, oops, we got it wrong, has doubled down. They've said there's a cane detectable uh, difference. No, there isn't. And you couldn't rely on it even if even if you felt one because in Toronto, the sidewalks are so irregular, tactily that it, it can be smooth one meter, bumpy the next, and whatever it is this year, after a year of winter, you'll have cracks in it. Mm. Like it, it you just can't rely on this stuff. The other thing... Is the city's basically said publicly in the media uh, something to the effect that well, people who get are on the road and get hit by cars, cyclists, suffer worse injuries than I'm paraphrasing. In effect, people who are might be injured on the sidewalk. So, in other words, they've decided that cyclists are 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 the ones they want to protect. Pedestrians on the sidewalk. Oh, well, their injuries won't be as bad. And we're not expendable. Mm. And it presupposes that you've got to sacrifice either cyclists or pedestrians like blind people. And that's ridiculous. You come up with a design that protects both.
0: There's always this back and forth and push and pull, and what I would call sort of an unfair binary or an unfair trinary in urban design that says we must pit cyclists, pedestrians, and cars against each other, rather than looking for better solutions. Uh, David, this kind of bike lane is starting to pop up a little bit more in modern urban projects. I know in the city of Ottawa, when they expanded and renovated Churchill Avenue, they created bike lanes similar to this, but with a big, big difference. Very, very wide sidewalks and a number of not necessarily full barriers, but a number of barriers between the physical sidewalk and the actual bike lane, and a distinctive texture on the ground in between. I... I'm someone who supports interesting and modern universal design and city design and urban design. But what's popping up here on Eglinton is not that. It's it, They didn't think to themselves, well, if we're going through this full process of redeveloping Eglinton Avenue, let's make wider sidewalks a priority, and then maybe, maybe we can explore the idea. Of bike lanes that are on a raised level, but this isn't that. This is just really, really poor, and what I would call, uh, for fear of editorializing, sort of typical Toronto. Never think about the sidewalk, never think about the pedestrian.
1: Well, you know, I'll I'll tell you this. First, they claim they did think about it, which means there's a real competence problem here, because they and they're trying to defend it, say, oh, we did think about that and we do care about that and we're making things more accessible. In fact, they're making them less accessible and more dangerous. But the other thing is, uh, the problem with putting any kind of bike path at sidewalk level rather than at road level um, is that for one thing, as I said before, it's hard for a blind pedestrian to know whether I'm on the safe side of a line or the dangerous side. The easiest thing to do is what we've always had, which is, design it so that if I'm up on the sidewalk, I know I'm safe, if I'm down on the road, I know I'm in danger. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, uh, and this is what a lot of this ignores, uh, I regret. Um, A lot of the blind people out there or people with very severe vision impairment, aren't people like me who've been blind for using a white cane for upwards of 50 years. They're people who may have just been doing that for months or a few years. And they don't all have instant knowledge of what that patterned, bumpy thing on the road, if they did put something in, what that means, what the code is. And there's no universal code. It can vary from uh-huh. street to street uh-huh. or city to city. Um, so it, it, all of this is spells one word, and the word is danger. Uh-huh. And I think people with disabilities, like blind people, deserve to be protected from danger.
0: I don't think I'm going to argue with you about that one this morning, uh, David. David, thank you for this. I always appreciate appreciate your perspectives on these provincial, regional, and national issues. Thank you for the time this morning. Thank you. That's David Lepofsky, the chair of the AODA Alliance, coming up after the break. An eye surgery or an eye procedure is a daunting, daunting prospect. Shaina Saravanamuthu wants to give you some perspective on her recent experience with an eye surgery. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.